Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And today I'm going to play a recording from the live salon that was held just two days ago. And our guest then was Glenn Gertler, who is a volunteer with the project known as Hashtag Thank You Plant Medicine. As the uh, project's title tells you, this is an effort, uh, well, it's a worldwide effort, I should add, and it's an effort to spread the word about ways in which the plants have come to our aid. And the first mission of this project is to encourage 100,000 people to tell their psychedelic plant stories in public on February 20th, 2020. So without any further ado, here's a recording of our conversation. Rather than begin with uh, how this got started and all like that, we'll jump up to that. Uh, I'm excited about uh, this uh, February 20th uh, announcement. And so let's start with uh, what what all is being projected to happen on the uh, February 20th of 2020, just a a few weeks from now, actually. Absolutely. So uh, essentially, uh, February 20th, 2020 is the 10-year anniversary of the Envision Festival, which is a week-long festival based in Costa Rica, not unsimilar to uh, Burning Man that we have here in the States. And uh, essentially, the Thank You Plant Medicine campaign, the global grassroots movement that uh, I'm working on here, along with uh, almost 500 other volunteers across 50-plus countries are uh, piecing together uh, over 100,000 stories um, regarding inspirational and transformational um, experiences that folks have had with the use of either uh, plant medicine or psychedelic medicine. And the idea is that by accumulating all of this gratitude, we are pushing stigma in a positive direction. So that way, the efficacy of these different uh, medicines can be used. And, and in the same token, you know, we're not uh, trying to shortchange some of the shortcomings that come along with them as well. It's really about uh, creating this community, um, getting a better feel for how these things can work and how these things can help people in the future. And the idea is, by piecing together these stories, we're putting together strong anecdotal e- uh, evidence that people who are not familiar can relate to. And even beyond the coming out day, we'll then have this massive community of support where we can then continue to you know, push these medicines into the future. Well, you know, that, that the thing that, that really struck my heart when I first heard what you all are, are putting together is a conversation I had a little over 20 years ago with a man named uh, Dr. Germain, and uh, it was at Terrence McKenna's last uh, conference uh, before he died in, in Hawaii, the one he had uh, over in his island uh, near his home, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that uh, this, this, uh, this guy, he and his wife, uh, I, I was introduced to them, and he was the man who actually founded the school of criminal law at Long Beach State University. So, so the uh, he and his wife were introduced to me, and and with all the background and all. And two nights before, they'd been on an acid trip, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they were they were like the oldest people there. 
really old, and I just discovered today when I checked it out that I'm I'm now uh, about four or five years older than he was at the time. But he seemed really old, you know. And he gave me this this essay that he wrote, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll I'll uh, add it to a link to it in the beginning of the program notes for the podcast. But he wrote an essay that I published, uh, and he asked me to, and I published it on a number of places, where he listed all of the occupations of people that he knew had taken psychedelics or some sort of an illegal substance in the previous six months. Mm-hmm. And he listed over 40 occupations, you know, nuns, priests, judges, lawyers, cops. And, and mm-hmm. since then, you know, it's been only an easing, a general, uh, you know, seeping out here, there and everywhere, you know, when I started this podcast 15 years ago, I, I really even hesitated to use the word psychedelic because, you know, it becomes so toxic. And now, you know, it's yeah. through a lot of reasons it's come out, but in particular because of the plants. They are telling us to tell this story. And what you all are starting to bring about now is, is Dr. Germain's dream, is that uh, the way he wrote the essay, he said, if everybody who had taken an illicit substance in the last six months if their ears turned green. And, and what your hashtag is, is, hey, look at all these green ears, you know? So why That's don't you, exactly why the point. you we'll rewind a little bit. Now, I didn't mean to kind of take your thunder away there, but uh, to let you know that this has been a dream of a lot of us old people for a long time. And so how did this uh, come about? You know, it's come about seem, seemingly quickly, you know, in a, a yeah. year or so. Yeah, absolutely. So it was about last uh, July when two of our founders, just a, a couple of buddies living in Costa Rica, um, who had, uh, you know, not unlike all these other people that we're talking about, these transformational healing types of experiences uh, in sacred plant medicine ceremonies. And they decided, you know what, you know, we're, we're going to tell our story, we want more people to have access to these safe spaces. And we're just going to see how many people we can accumulate. And, you know, the, the 100,000 goal was a, a pipe dream when it first started out. But at this point, it, it seems like even a low goalpost where now we have uh, some of our, our European-based partners telling us we can get over a million stories. You know, then we now have the makings for a whole political movement, which, to be clear, Thank You Plant Medicine is, is an apolitical movement. We are a gratitude campaign um, we are the uh, centerpiece for a lot of different actors within this community to come together. And actually a good example of that is we've started um, conducting these mastermind calls once a week where we have various representatives from uh, media outlets, uh, political movements, um, research facilities that come together and, and try and uh, gain a, a wider perspective on you know, what the future looks like, you know, for these medicines, you know, how we can actually ship stigma and, and how, um, you know, how we can uh, have these conversations, you know, with people who, who don't understand. And that as well as, you know, one of the biggest points of contention that, that I've placed is that this isn't just a movement for the people who wish to take part uh, in these various medicines and these various therapies. It's, it's similar to, uh, you know, vegetarianism or, or smoking in that, you know, it's, it is a choice to not eat meat or to not smoke a cigarette. And it's, it's my goal to fight for your right to have a choice to take part in plant medicines or not. You know, this is, is of course, um, 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, a, a cutting edge movement in terms of mental health, but it's also a huge deal in terms of body autonomy and individual freedom. Well, what, what your, your uh, idea is for, for this whole movement, as I see it really, is uh, right in line with what I've always been trying to do here in the salon, is to make it okay around the water cooler at work or at a church picnic to talk about psychedelics. Yep. And, uh, you know, so many veterans, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still a licensed attorney in Texas. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I, I used to be a, a Republican. I used to be a Catholic. Those two are gone. But, you know, Quite a combination I, there, Lorenzo. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm, I'm uh, ex-military, I'm ex-lawyer, I'm ex-Catholic, but I'm also uh, still, uh, you know, sympathetic with a lot of those mindsets because a lot of my friends are still there. Mm-hmm. And I know what I was like when I was there. And, and it was the plant medicines that have really taken me back to who I was as a child, as a young man and the dreams and hopes and how I felt about the planet and other people. And that's what it, it does. And like you just said, it's, it's not for everybody, but it should be uh, allowable for everybody to at least discuss it and be free to, to talk about it and exactly. have no stigma attached to it. Yeah. The major problem is really when we, when we circle back to, you know, what's known as the, the second wave of psychedelics, you know, the first wave of psychedelics would be uh, indigenous use. Second wave of psychedelics is, you know, the, uh, the 60s counterculture movement, even before that, starting in the 50s with some of the, the research that was going on. Um, you know, MK Ultra, Alice Huxley, you know, that, that whole brand there. But, uh, there's still very much that, that toxic, um, uh, identification, you know, as you said, with the word psychedelic. We break that word down and, and you know, psyche, mind, delic is the Greek delos manifesting. And we're talking about simply mind manifesting experiences. Um, you know, that doesn't even necessarily refer to, you know, these different plants or chemicals. I mean, it can be any sort of experience that you know, raises consciousness. So, you know, we, we really need to take a second look at how we treat that word, how we understand um, these various non-toxic, uh, non-addictive substances that are having you know, unbelievable impact. You know, if we look at, at, at even, you know, to branch away from plant medicine for a second, MDMA and the PTSD veteran community, you know, we're having veterans that are showing absolutely remarkable indicators of improvement in terms of their, their PTSD 12 months after a session. You know, that's, that's unheard of compared to, you know, a, a cognitive behavioral therapist who's going to have you come in, you know, every day for, for 12 weeks and then hope that you can integrate. Now, that's not to say that, that CBT isn't important. The two you know, have a place in conjunction together. But the thing is that, as you're saying, we need to be able to talk about these things. We need these substances to be scheduled properly so we can do more research, better under, uh, understand the shortcomings, understand the varying dosages now that, that microdosing is, is showing you know, how effective that can be in terms of integrating into our day-to-day life. And you know, the fact of the matter is, is we're still in the hangover from Nixon's war on drugs, and it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you, 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 of course, you know, as you really know, you're preaching to the choir here. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, uh, 
we we uh, uh, have have a, a really very odd, varied audience, but a, a large number of our people are at your age. You know, they're thirty five and under, mm -hmm. and we also have a, a a lot of young people who are sort of out on the the edge. You know, that uh, if they're not in a big city, if they're not on the coast or in in one of the major cities, particularly people out in the, the farmlands and stuff. You know, I went to high school in a town that that had 10,000 people in it, and it, it doesn't have quite that many today. So the kids in those places are really out there and lonely, and so we're, we're talking to them as well because they don't have a, a place to go. One of the things that I, I uh, want to bring up uh, is maybe not an issue anymore, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I can say, okay, boomer, because I'm not a boomer. <laughs> I'm older than the boomers, you know. Franklin Roosevelt wasn't halfway through his second term. When That's I was the greatest OK Boomer comeback I've heard so far. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say it quite often. Quite frankly, I agree with it. But, you know, if you, if you have patience and give them time, they'll finally evolve out of that to where I finally made it, you know. <laughs> I guess uh -huh. <laughs> through that, you know. I, sometime they'll be saying, "Okay, Zier." You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I've I've totally being a, an old guy, I've lost my my train of thought. Oh, here's what I was thinking. Uh, you know, it it was uh, very uh, like you said. It's it's still almost toxic in some places to say the word psychedelic and all. And and uh, I don't know if I'm being overly cautious, but I would like people to at least think through the fact that anything you put up on the internet is there forever. Yes. And, yes. you know, if, if you're young and you're still looking at, at, you know, not having much of a choice, but getting somehow involved in the corporate market, you know, you have to be really careful about these things because they can come back and bite you. So don't, don't try to just show off and be brave, you know, now, you know, I'm pretty well out there as being in favor of psychedelics, but, I have figured out what I'm going to do on February 20th mm -hmm. because I'm still licensed to practice law in Texas. I'm, I'm uh, uh, not an active participant, but uh, the, by, by law, I have to have my picture on the state bar uh, of Texas website. And I do, but I think I might be the only one without a coat and tie because I've got a picture of myself, a headshot from Burning Man wearing my straw hat and like that. But on the Very 20th nice. of February, uh, where, where everybody has a little blurb about what they're doing, I'm going to put my coming out of the psychedelic closet blurb on the uh, Texas State Bar Association website. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, there's not a whole lot left for me to do. But I, that very very Hancock-esque of you. <laughs> what, what kind of things are you hearing that, that people do, like Twitter and, and uh, Facebook, stuff like that? In terms of the uh, the stories that are coming out, yeah. So the the range is is just absolutely phenomenal. And if you don't mind, I, I kind of want to take a walk back here and, and uh, draw on something that you mentioned that the the risk factors are are certainly there. That you know the word psychedelic is toxic, and, and one of the um, one of the things that we're working on uh, as as an organizational leadership team is we're developing um, a couple different reference guides that help people, A, navigate the legal implications of some of the things that they're saying, um, as well as how to go about having this conversation, um, you know, with friends and family and people who are close to you. Uh, you know, I personally um, have a, uh, a pediatric neurologist and a, a Parkinson's researcher 
you know, as one sibling and I have a human rights lawyer as the other one. So you can imagine, you know, we're sitting there for a holiday dinner having this conversation and I'm, you know, getting questions fired at me from all directions. And, and the, the key there that I, I just want to make a point to say is that nobody can take away the experiences that you've had and what those experiences have meant to you. The science, of course, at this point is, you know, trending forward, but up for debate and, you know, the legal app, uh, implications are, are certainly there as well. But at the end of the day, you know, if your experience was one of healing and transformation, if you went in with an intention, you followed a, a protocol, you know, there was safety and harm reduction techniques involved, and then you were able to integrate uh, those lessons into your day-to-day life and see an improvement, you know, upon your activity and, and your performance, and nobody can take that away from you. And, and that's the way that that conversation needs to be held. And, and I'm sorry, what was the second part or the other part of the question? You, you just pointed out something that, that uh, people don't necessarily have to go real public with things because you do know what you know, you know, exactly. and, mm-hmm. and, and that can't be taken away from anybody. And, and so I was just, just pointing out that uh, once something is up on the net, it's there for good. So right. are, are you doing any way to, uh, you know, uh, count it? How are you finding out uh, if you're going to hit yeah. 100,000? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually uh, very quickly developed a, a pretty full-scale uh, web design and web development team. Again, all volunteer-based. Everybody's been just you know, over the moon about pitching in. And I, I thought I was going to be you know, donating an hour or two, and you know, now I'm you know, at least past 10 hours a week at this point. I, I can't get enough. Um, but basically, we have an algorithm set up that is going to uh, pull hashtags uh, off of the various social media sites. So there will be a, a main counter that's, that's likely going to be broadcasted on you know, our, our website, www.thankyouplanmedicine.com, as well as our Facebook uh, and Instagram pages. And you know, if you guys haven't checked that stuff out yet uh, or followed and, and liked those pages, you know, please do. There's a lot of good content in the community up there. Um, but we'll have a hashtag that will be counting just the overall sum of stories. And then we're asking people to hashtag as well an individual medicine um, that, you know, was meaningful to them. So, you know, in addition to just hashtag thank you plant medicine, you can say, you know, hashtag uh, thank you ayahuasca, hashtag thank you LSD, hashtag, oh, okay. you know, thank you ketamine. And then we're going to be uh, keeping track of individual hashtags as well and get a feel for, you know, what people are most comfortable talking about, um, you know, what kinds of experiences have been associated with those stories. And then hopefully we'll be able to work with some of our other partners who are in you know, either the media or the research community to then use some of these stories, some of these experiences to, uh, again, push the agenda forward in one way or another. Well, as, as you go forward with this, <clears throat> I, I would really like to uh, stay in touch with you and, and uh, others on your team we did a whole series of maybe uh, 30 or 40 podcasts that uh, one of our young uh, uh, fellow salonners, Lex Pelger, traveled around the country uh, having uh, psychedelic story time. And mm. he collected, uh, we probably podcast maybe 100 little stories, all less than 15 minutes long, uh-huh. uh, that, that uh, from around the country. And they were amazing how... Uh, you know, some of them were, were trip stories were kind of boring, quite frankly, but, but some of them were very transformative. And, and, uh, uh, you know, one guy in his eighties that had tripped with Tim Leary was talking about, he'd never told his kids about it before, you know, stuff like wow. this, you know, so, so, uh, what you're doing is exactly, it's equally important with all the, uh, 
you know, medicinal research going on. And, you know, I've got a lot of connections with her. My, my wife was Dr. Grobe's uh, initial research assistant on, on the psilocybin study. So, you know, I, I have a lot of connections into that community. But what you're doing is, is maybe, in my opinion, actually more important because it gets the story down to the street, not just to people that, that uh, you know, are wondering or, or didn't know anything about it, but to the people who have, have done a psychedelic and, and are afraid to even mention it, or they need to know that they're not alone. And that's what's absolutely, you know? absolutely. I spent a great number of years, um, not really sure of, of what the community looked like, you know, what the makeup was or what my experiences really meant and, and meant. And it, and it wasn't until I was able to, to find that common ground where I was able to really catalogue, uh, sorry, catalog, you know, the various things that I had gone through and, and really put my integration, you know, up to the highest level. And it's interesting. Sorry, it's my dog. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. You know, anytime I go to one of these panels or one of these events, everybody gets very excited. And then they ask the question, what can I do? And it's very tricky if you're not a researcher or a therapist or a politician, you know, how do you get involved? And thank you, plant medicine has been one of the few answers um, that have solved that problem. You know, you can go ahead and, and take part in the Facebook community, which now has just passed 6,000 people. And, you know, people are asking questions and, and you can pitch in and, you know, give some of your opinions. Or, you know, if you need a sense of community, you can get the same there as well. You know, if you need uh, information on any theogenic or psychedelic, you can go up to you know, our website or, you know, one of our partners uh, the third wave.co, for example, um, they do, uh, microdosing coaching, but they have you know, some of the greatest wealth of information on psychedelics. And the, the, the point is that it's just, it's so much more effective when we're able to pull together this entire community and, and, and talk about these things. And that's really been the issue, you know, the last few decades is it's, it's been an issue of isolation. Well, you know, the pooling together the community is, is uh, really interesting and important that, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Charlie Groves, a friend of mine, and, and uh, uh, last year when they were legalizing uh, psilocybin in Denver, and that was all on the ballot and all, mm -hmm. uh, there, there was a lot of discussion. And Charlie was a little concerned that it would be a, a reversion back to the 60s counterculture and going crazy and, and mm -hmm. it would hurt research again. But we talked about it here in a live salon with, with a bunch of, uh, uh, of us one, one night, uh, a couple of nights actually, and the consensus was, particularly from uh, some of the old heads who had been around in the 60s, was that's just not going to happen again because uh, the younger people, people in your community, your age, uh, well, first of all, you got the internet, which means you're in touch with one another. You just don't meet at a festival and then maybe a year later meet at a conference or something that you're in touch. Right. And, and, and so information gets passed around quickly. And, uh, I think that, that, uh, uh, the older generation has a lot more confidence in what's going on today than, than we did in what we were doing ourselves, you know? Absolutely. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, the, the dissemination of information and, and, you know, globalization from that aspect is definitely a huge player, uh, in it. And, and, you know, on top of that too, we've, we've gotten so much further in terms of neuroscience and neuroimaging to the fact that, you know, now it's not just anecdotal support, you know, for, for some of these various uh, techniques and molecules. Now we can, 
we understand, you know, how the brain lights up and, and reacts to, you know, some of the, the various substances. And, you know, we now know that they are non-toxic and, and non-addictive. And that's not really something that was, you know, part of our tool belt, you know, when we're going into the late 60s. You know, we really thought that these things could be horrible for you. We, we didn't understand the various dosages. We just didn't have the science for it. But now we're at the point where the science is there. You know, we, you know, second wave of psychedelics, we, we kind of had our fun. We, we threw our tantrum and, and we're, you know, as we're moving toward the third wave, there's a whole lot more of an understanding and appreciation for uh, intention, protocol and integration. As you're pointing out, it's it's a movement, uh, you know, away from uh, maybe LSD, even though microdosing is important, but it's moving to the plants. Uh, the teaching is coming from the plants, particularly the, the mushrooms and, and ayahuasca and cannabis in particular, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for me, uh, although <laughs> there, there are a few I haven't tried, few uh, molecules, but cannabis is still my, my uh, ally. Across the board. All faithful. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm living someplace where it's legal, you know. I, I go to a website, and as long as I order something before 6.30, it's delivered the next day, you know. Now, uh, you know, I, I one day, about 20 years ago, dreamt of, uh, and actually tried to get a transfer on my job to Amsterdam so I could be closer to the source. Uh-huh. And I failed in all my attempts, and look where I wound up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I love it how people say that, you know, the dispensaries in California look like the Apple store. <laughs> the last time you were in an Apple store, it's nicer than the Apple store. You sit down, there's a lounge and a menu. You know, this isn't, this isn't, you know, your, your drug alley corner. This is a high end experience now. And that's, that's the precedent we're hoping is set for, for psychedelics moving forward. That they can kind of follow suit that the, uh, the innovation of the cannabis industry is set for you know, there are all these pitfalls, um, you know, have been outlined as well. And, you know, hoping that, uh, you know, as psychedelics move into this, this brightening future, we're able to take advantage um, of some of the things that the cannabis industry has learned. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, everything is moving so rapidly that it's, it's kind of hard to really grok the fact that there are huge cannabis companies and farms, you know, when, uh, you know, I, it wasn't that long ago. I was I was sneaking down to uh, you know my son's house and buying pot from his dealer. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> you know things have changed. Let me let me open it up for a minute here uh, before yeah. we, we get to stories or something. See if uh, anybody has uh, questions. Anybody want to raise your hand? Uh, uh, there, oh, go ahead, Stanley. Uh, see, want to? Un- oh, there you go. How's it going? I'm really excited to uh, hear about this. I, my psychedelic experience is at most involved another individual with me. I've never mm-hmm. been in a community. The salon itself is actually the most amount of exposure to any psychedelic community I've had. I've been around a lot of like just regular folks, but what I find helps me the most is I talk about my experiences to anyone who has an open ear they yeah. even work colleagues and what i've noticed is just by being open and honest just right up front with people you find a lot of people who've actually had psychedelic experiences and i think that's one reason why it's becoming more of a norm a lot easier to accept is the fact that especially with mushrooms it seems like a lot of people have at least took in a small amount of mushrooms in their life it, um LSD, I, I know quite a people, 
few people have done that like maybe in the 90s and early 2000s but more like recently i'm finding the people i come across are like mushrooms or maybe here and there ayahuasca mm-hmm. and uh like for me what i really feel is that yeah there's a lot of plants that are illegal out there and it's hard to come across things but if we know enough about botany like my ayahuasca experiences have all been pseudo ayahuasca because i just use combination plants that i have around me Mm -hmm. to block the amos and to deliver the dmt Mm -hmm. so um with the internet and the research i'm finding that a lot of people are exploring psychedelics but aren't necessarily part of a community of psychedelics i feel there's probably a lot of internet researchers like where i've come across that's like if it wasn't for the internet i probably even though all the psychedelics i've ever had just kind of fell in my lap it's weird like the universe is like oh you need this here you go yeah it wasn't really for the internet i don't know if I would have been open to those ideas just because like discovering Terrence McKenna and all these other individuals throughout history that have been doing this with the internet, we can just hear and find and explore so many things. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of a closet psychedelic heads, a lot of people who have done it and not. So in 2010, uh, we knew the figure was up to 32 million Americans who had had a psychedelic experience. In talking to uh, some of the executive members over at Dance Safe, um, they do the uh, drug testing uh, for various festivals. Um, they have uh, speculated that number is at least three times the size now. So we're talking close to 100 million Americans, um, you know, who have had a, a psychedelic experience there. And now, the the issue there is that. When you get into some of this self-research, you know, some people certainly have the capacity to do it, but it's not even so much the point. You know, when you're in a community setting, you're more able to get the love and support that you need when the trauma arises. As we know, psychedelics are are merely just a a window to to opening up, you know, your traumas. and, And what we're really looking to do is making sure that when that experience occurs, the trauma is met with a place of love and healing versus a sense of chaos. Trauma comes up, it's met with chaos, it can be compounded, uh, you know, you can ensue PTSD from that experience. However, if you're with a therapist, a shaman, a healer, you know, people who are knowledgeable, that trauma comes up and you're able to be met with love and it can be, it can be healed and you can be transformed. You know, in ayahuasca circle, I'm sure you've seen everything from you know, screaming and yelling and purging and shaking and, you know, all these various things. And, and that's really just the language that ayahuasca speaks. It's, it's difficult to watch. It's difficult to go through yourself. But, uh, you know, there's an understanding in the community and those who speak the language that that's what happens when you're confronting a fear, when you're, you know, you, you have a, a vision in front of you or a voice in your head that, that's difficult to process. You know, your, your body will manifest a purge or a shake, but that's okay because as soon as you can face it, then you can be in so, you know, support with community and it can be healed and you can talk about it and then you're able to move on from there. So I, I would caution, I would just caution that, you know, community is, is ideal for these types of experiences. 
I, I would agree with that, even though I don't have experience really with community. I've been around. Uh, and then access. Access to community is, is right. the other issue, which again is you know, a major point for Thank You Plant Medicine, at least if we can't be there in person, you know, due to you know, certain legal implications, we can at least create this community online with certain guidelines and we can be there. You know, it's important to some capacity. That, that's great. Cause like my exploration on my own, like my first acid trip, I came across a, a vial and there was a tab in there and I don't know why I did, but I just opened it and took it. And wow. a extremely life changing uh, experience where part of it, I forgot, you know, who I was, what I was, and just kind of absorbed into the ethers. And I, I have a strong mind and I feel like fortunate enough to have been able to work my way around to get it back. But I can clearly feel from those experiences because when I do psychedelics, I have a, a kind of pat with the universe. I say, when you want me to, and you're ready for me, bring it to me mm -hmm. and it it comes when i really need it it just falls into my lap and it's been healing in that aspect but i can i can see if we have no like intention if we just take something but not put part of ourselves into it it's, it's kind of like terence says you have to give something to receive something we have to give a part of ourselves but if we're not of that mind frame like i mm -hmm. I see how so many people who I feel lucky, like I had enough certain life circumstances. I started meditating at a very young age, getting the martial arts, getting into meditation, those things way, 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 way before psychedelic experiences. I started cannabis at a young age and then I found salvia divinorum mm -hmm. around the age of 18. And so I had like this kind of like slow progression into it and I had other things that like opened my mind to it. But if I was just like a regular street kid, if I wasn't just like growing up in the middle of nowhere, just interested in weird things. Stanley, Stanley, let me, let, let me interrupt you for a minute and ask you, uh, while you were starting to experiment with these things, did you uh, tell your, your family that you were doing this? Did you come out to anybody? Um. Well, when I was young, it was the 90s and then early 2000s. So smoking cannabis back then, um, my mom did catch me and she said if she ever found out again, she'd kill me. But I had a couple incidences where I did get caught. And I was very fortunate that, um, I mean, I, I got caught by cops and I got very fortunate that for some reason, the conversation just panned its way yeah. out and I didn't have any issue at all. We were in and, so, 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 Glenn, Glenn, let me ask you, you said that you, you're, uh, you have on your website, you have some guidelines about uh, it, how you want to uh, pr come out to your family or talk to your uh, Thanksgiving. Developing that reference guide now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how, how, uh, what, what are you uh, thinking about uh, along the lines? You're actually going to publish a reference guide along those lines? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, we want to make sure that everybody who's, who's taking part in the campaign uh, is safe in doing so. So there, there are certainly, um, you know, from a broad spectrum and a legal standpoint, um, we are advising that um, folks do not talk about a specific place or point in time 
when this experience uh, occurred. And we want to be a little bit more vague there because there is a statute of limitations, you know, surrounding some of these events, uh, particularly for for folks who uh, have uh, you know, who don't have citizenship here in the states. You know, those those statutes are, are even wider. Um, so that's extremely important. Uh, and in terms of telling the story, again, you know, we want to focus on the part that is you. You know, you if you are not a, a neuroscientist, it's not really so important for you to talk about the 5-HT2A receptors and neuroplasticity <laughs> and the default mode network. You know, we want to hear more, you know, about how it helped you. Great point. Great point. Yeah. And, and now, when do you think these, this guideline is going to be ready? Uh, is it going to be ready before the 20th? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it should be ready. Uh, in the next week or so. I'm just looking at the calendar now. So we are uh, five and a half weeks out from the big coming up, uh, out day in a figure on the 20th. So one month uh, out from, uh, from the coming out day, we should have both these reference guides available. Ideally, we're going to look to have um, uh, legal guidelines for various uh, parts of the world, seeing as how you know, we do have support across so many different countries with, you know, such varying uh, legal legal issues. So that's going to be the goal, but we're really focusing, you know, from a broad spectrum and, you know, how we're going to, to have people tell this story. Well, I'll, I'll definitely uh, keep the uh, program notes for today, this podcast about our conversation updated when that comes out. Awesome. And it's, it's pretty, really nice that you're, you're looking at the rest of the world, too. You know, we always uh, focus so much on the States. But uh, this podcast, uh, over the years, we've reached uh, well over 100 countries. So uh, uh, we have a, a lot of foreign listeners. And, and uh, I'd like to circle back to the thing that uh, uh, no matter what happens, uh, uh, and maybe, and most likely, it'll have nothing to do with with your uh, promotion of the twentieth event. But somebody is going to get in trouble or have problems on their job for coming out or something. It's going to be a free speech issue, is what it really is. Yep. And somehow they'll find your website. Uh, I, I'm wondering if uh, it wouldn't be great if you could, and I would help you promote this. If if there, if somebody uh, maybe in our audience or in, in your circle of, of uh, supporters. Uh, could somehow have a, a focal point for uh, referring people to, to lawyers. I know that I, I get those questions a lot. Absolutely. And I know a number of lawyers I, I send people to. I don't practice law myself, of course. But uh, I think you're going to get uh, a lot of questions from people years from now even, you know, because they'll find you on searches and no, no matter what's going on. And it would be a great focal point because there, there really isn't any good place right now. Uh, a single focal point, you know, there's, there's places like Arrowwood for information, but uh, mm -hmm. a place that, that uh, not just uh, individuals can go, but lawyers uh, that have no experience with uh, the law. And like I say, most of this involved in this movement is really free speech. It has nothing to do with psychedelics when you come down to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you make some good points there. I mean, the idea is that if we are able to coach properly, then, then really those issues will be minimized where we are expecting, you know, this coming out to be very safe for anybody who wants to share their story. You know, we will be, uh, helping, uh, each individual. You know, there's, there's a volunteer leader within each region of the U.S. as well as some of these other countries. So it's not going to be, uh, you know, you need to blind write something and, and throw it out there. We will help you revise and we'll help you work through the story. So I do want to make a point that it is a safe move to come out 
and tell your story, sure, you know, there will be an integration aspect of it in terms of, um, you know, what it will mean in terms of your identity potentially at work, potentially with family and friends. And that's why the coming out day is really more of a launching point moving forward. So we're going to have uh, legal uh, recommendations available. We're going to have uh, therapeutic uh, and integration specialists, um, you know, the people will be able to contact as well. We're going to have um, safety and harm reduction techniques as well as um, uh, likely drug testing kits uh, for purchase through our partners um, at, uh, or soon to be partners at Dance Safe. So we, we really are using the coming out day as, as more of a launching point. It's not the end of the campaign. It's really the beginning. And all these things that you're talking about are going to be what's, you know, what comes in, in, you know, the next 12 months, the next two years, the next five years. So thank you. Plant medicine has a very a bright future, you know, largely because of the effects that it's had on, on all these different people. And, and something that, that people can do who are not really in a position and I to, to, you know, come out in, in, you know, full support of plant medicine. And I, I get, uh, you know, a lot of contact from people who are active duty military, who are in law enforcement right now. Uh, and of course, uh, I've done a couple of shows with uh, uh, PTSD, uh, treatment of PTSD, not just with uh, MDMA, which mm-hmm. helped me, but uh, taking people down to uh, the jungle now in ayahuasca. There's a, uh, I'll have another group on here shortly about that. So, but a lot of, is that? Uh, I'll think of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's two different military groups and I can't, I can't recall their name right now, but, uh, uh, I'll, I'll email you and let you know. Yeah. Hero, Hero Carts is a partner of ours. That's why I was asking. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll uh, look it up and email you. But, uh, that what I'm saying is that a lot of people have to be kind of quiet and, and can't really, uh, publish their own stories. Right. But, uh, my friend Myron Stolaroff, when he was alive, he, he had, uh, a, a rule with his own life that he never sat next to a stranger without bringing up psychedelics. And, uh-huh. and, you know, he was old and retired. He could do that. But what I've learned is that with so much news about psychedelics coming out of Johns Hopkins and UCLA and places like that. And now with, with your movement, when you hit a hundred thousand stories, the people who can't, you know, publish their own story can, talk to a friend at work or come uh, a needs to start a conversation. Yes. Yeah. It's a conversation starter. Can you believe on one day, a hundred thousand people? Around? I mean, that's big news, even though you won't see it in the mainstream, probably yeah. it'll be on Twitter. It's big news. And mm-hmm. so, so uh, I want to do everything I can to help you guys. And uh, you know, we've had a lot of stories come out here and uh, anything that, that you and your PR people can uh, use these podcasts for, we, we do reach a lot of people over time. And a lot of what we uh, do is not uh, our, some of our people listen to us uh, a month or two after I podcast it. So uh, we'll be able to any long term projects that you have going. I definitely yeah. want to uh, uh, help promote. So uh, let, let's go back and see if anybody else wants to uh, get involved here. Raise your hand. Anybody? Uh... I got a question. Go ahead. Oh, Matthew, go ahead. So uh, you mentioned uh, that you want to uh, promote and expand the use of uh, plant medicines, make them more uh, like socially acceptable and accessible. Um, typically among the psychedelic community, that's just psychedelics. But do you have any thoughts on um, non uh psychotropic plant medicines 
Yes, and this is actually one of the points of conversation that we've had on, on our mastermind calls. Um, the, the biggest part of the campaign here is, is really expressing gratitude for things that have already happened, for experiences that have already happened. Um, we have chosen to focus specifically uh, on um, psychoactive plant medicines as well as psychedelic medicines um, just because of, of how the stigma has um, stunted the growth and, and some of the research. We don't have um, any sort of uh, ill opinion, you know, or, or, or any sort of lack of interest rather in, you know, non-psychoactive plant medicines. You know, the, they are important and they do uh, feed into, you know, so a lot of these different uh, medicines, you know, for instance, uh, psilocybin is currently microdosed with any of a number of other different mushrooms, um, you know, ayahuasca can have 50 plus different admixtures, you know, within its brew. So it, it's not that we don't appreciate and we don't value the non-psychoactive plant medicines. We just at some point have to create a narrow scope for us to focus on. And this is just where we've decided to draw the line. I hope you forgive us. No, yeah, perfectly fine. Just uh, curious. Mm -hmm. But no, it, it's a very good point and, and, and one that's worth repeating that, that not, only, um, not only the psychoactive plant medicines are important, there are many others, lion's mane, ashwagandha, you know, so on and so forth, that have shown great, um, uh, great efficacy and great value, and they are worth talking about as well. And, and if anybody hasn't seen... Um, uh, Paul Stamets is fantastic, uh, fungi. That's definitely a, a documentary that I recommend watching. It'll, it'll change your mind on, on, you know, mushrooms specifically, and hopefully that'll, you know, branch interest forward. But, you know, you, you make a great point, Matthew. Yeah, Matthew, I really appreciate you pointing that out because I had kind of, I just kind of put that out of my mind, you know, that I was so focused on, on, on psychedelics is that, uh, most of the plant medicines aren't psychedelic. You know, almost all of our medicines actually come from plants eventually or uh, ultimately. So uh, this is a much bigger uh, project than I, I first uh, even envisioned. And, and uh, uh, I, I hope that uh, I can help you uh, get that out too. That's not just psychedelics. And Matthew, thank you for pointing that out. I, I, I missed that one. So <laughs> it even invokes uh, uh CBD. Hey, hey, Alex, it's good to see you again. How have you been? Uh, I'm here. <laughs> good. Yeah, I'm not here, but I'm here. Good. And you were, you were saying, oh, CBD, you were saying, right? Right. And just because that's become the new buzzword, you know, you have nail polish and, you know, pillows with CBD in it. It's just, and we're starting to see the flim flam and the scammy. There's very little CBD, but they call it CBD anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's becoming part of a large discussion of psychoactive psychotropic medicaid of plant medicine you know with the legalization happening of cannabis recreationally quote-unquote medicinally quote-unquote it's all health-based because if you're if you're feeling good your mind is less stressed less stress means you don't have as much cortisol your body's doing better um bringing it back around it seems like there are just more and more opportunities to have discussions that tie into plant medicines, a lot of stigma with cannabis and cannabis culture. 
It went from being the big, big joke to the butt of the joke to, okay, it's funny because everyone does it to it's now replacing, you know, mommy's wine time. It's mommy needs a joint time. And that's becoming a thing. And um, Do you see, you know, this initial movement trying to get a hundred thousand people to share their stories, sort of maybe Venn diagramming, intersecting with this sort of more awareness, more acceptance with things that are psychoactive, marijuana being one. And now, and the conversations do start touching on things like mushrooms and people using mushrooms or, and it's not looked at as, they said the M word. It seems like, oh, okay, psychedelic is not that, big a deal comedians joke about their dmt use or talk about the benefit of it mike tyson even you know talking about the benefit of his dmt use see those things dovetailing with uh you know this movement yeah and then it's just like you're saying you know having having the ability to have the conversation is everything you know the, the fact that it's been so hush hush has really stunted the research has stunted not just the, the pros of using these medicines, but also the shortcomings. You know, to speak on microdosing for a second, there are some suspicions that extended use of, micro, of microdosing can be associated with a heart condition. And right. that's, you know, that's a piece of information that I want to make sure that the global community is aware of. So it's not just that, that we're preaching psychedelics and plant medicine as some sort of miracle cure. That's not the point. The point is education. The point is the ability to have the conversation. And the point is the ability to make your own choice based on accurate information. That's what the campaign is about. And, and the thank you part is so important because, you know, those of us who have experienced uh, particularly ayahuasca and mushrooms, you know, the, the thank you is an integral part of who we are now, but it also shows uh, more of a, a reverence for this. Uh, you can call it recreational, but I'll tell you what, uh, I, I don't feel like I'm recreating when I do ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah, I'm working. My that is for off. damn sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, the, the, the thank you, I think really uh, also emphasizes the fact that, uh, Hey, thanks for the answer. Thanks for what you're giving us. It's not just the, the physical healing. And, and I know that, you know, cannabis provides a lot of pain relief for me, but, uh, among uh, probably the number one thing is it cures my depression <laughs> and yeah. that is really important i know you're not supposed to talk about that because it makes you feel good but i don't really care about those things anymore the truth is uh when i'm not depressed i feel a lot better i'm more productive and cannabis helps so that's just really the simple answer for me the fact of the matter is that that all of these different substances are tools you know, they're, they're all tools that, that we deserve to have in our tool belt and, and should be able to use properly when the, the proper need arises. None of these things, cannabis included, you know, should be overused or, or should be misled to say that it's a cure-all. You know, when we get to understand them better, when, when they're out in the public and we're able to shine a light on them and talk about them and, and not be subject to the adulteration of drugs that happens when these things are, are you know, gathered in, in dark corners with dangerous people, then we're able to zero in on using each one of these things in their proper manner, using them with a protocol, using them with a proper dose. You know, if you even look back to, to 2010 and, and, you know, James Fadiman's The Psychedelic Experience, you know, talking about, you know, mothers you know, smoking joints and, and bringing that conversation 
you know, out into the public and, and, you know, off the butt of the joke there. And in 2010, you know, we're seeing mothers who are um, microdosing LSD in order to be more present with their kids during playtime or, you know, folks microdosing LSD before they go into work to have a more productive, uh, energized and, and divergent thinking pattern, you know, as opposed to, you know, what we commonly use now, Adderall, which is just like you know, basically keeping yourself in, the, in this one narrow tunnel with the, the opposite with convergent thinking patterns and, and focusing basically on busy tasks and road tasks. So there, there are all of these applications that we just haven't been able to talk about. We haven't been able to put research behind and we're finally getting to that point where now, now we can actually get the stuff in the open and figure out what it can and cannot do. And, and, you know, that's, that's so important because essentially this is uh, what we're doing, not just your project, but all of us for the last decade or two is a huge experiment uh, that's not really well funded or guided or anything. But, you know, if you go to Arrowwood and Earth and Fire Arrowwood are friends of mine and they, for every report up there, there's probably five or 10 that in the same line that didn't get posted because they actually check these out. And these are, 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 you know, substantial stories. And the reason I say Arrowwood so important is when people ask me, oh, should I try such and such? I say, well, go to Arrowwood and read all of the horrible, awful trip reports from that particular substance. And if you can handle that, well, then do it. Otherwise, move on to something else. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anybody can do the good ones. Don't read the good trip reports. And and so, uh, you know, we, we have to have a lot of talk among ourselves. You know, I've learned mainly uh, from people I've met and experiences I've had and group experiences I've had, and then Arrowhead and, and these kind of conversations. And the more thousands of these conversations we have in the in the years ahead, uh, you know, we're going to be bumping into researchers and people who are just coming out of college and, oh, give them an idea for a project none of us have thought of yet. So mm-hmm. the more conversation we get going, uh, the better off we're going to be. And like like uh, we've all said, and you in particular, Glenn, this isn't for everybody. You know, it's it's really a small percentage of people who are ever going to pursue this uh, avenue. But we should all be allowed to talk about it and be encouraged to follow our our, our dream, our bliss, or whatever, uh, if, if it's uh, without being put down on, you know. Absolutely. And you make a couple good points there as well. You talk about Arrowhead and, and reading some of the bad trip reports. You know, that's that's very valuable information that, that we need to know. And in terms of, you know, telling your coming out story, it doesn't need to be sugarcoated. It doesn't need to be unicorns and lollipops and rainbows because that's not how the psychedelic experience actually works. The psychedelic experience and in, in part why it's not you know, labeled as a recreational experience because it's hard. It's very difficult at times. It's very taxing. You know, you're going to face the things that you're most afraid of or that, you know, you're most unwilling to confront. And that's hard and that's difficult. But the point is that hard and difficult are not necessarily bad or dangerous. When you have a psychedelic experience, you're not just looking at the symptom. You're digging all the way down to the core of the experience, the root of where it hurts, the root of where the pain is, and you're you're reaching in, you're excavating it, you're pulling it out, and then you're figuring out what to do with this void that's now inside you. And and that's, again, why community is so important. So that way, at that point, you can fill that hole, you know, with things that are good and and you can heal. Now, I like to compare the psychedelic experience to taking a, a thimble to a waterfall. 
You know, you just, you get all of this information, this entire waterfall, and then you're only allowed to take home this, this, this one small little thimble. And, and if you don't go in with an intention, you're not entirely sure what you want to fill this thimble with. And then as you're walking away, you know, the thimble is dripping water and it's all you can do to, to integrate that in. And then it's just, it's why protocol and community are so important. You know, it, the psychedelic experience can, can mean so many things. Um, but if it's met with the proper care, it really can be, you know, a religious experience, a spiritual experience, a, a life changing transformational experience. But, Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it sucks, and we want to hear that story too. And and you know sometimes you'll you'll stumble across that thimble about six or seven months later, and there's another little drop in there, and you yeah. oh yes, that's the one I was waiting for. So you know, exactly. like that, it's 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 magical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're getting to to a little end of our time here. That does anybody else have any uh, questions or anything? Uh, Sean, do you have a? Is that your hand waving? Yeah. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, gotcha. I'm clear. How's it going, Sean? Good, man. Um, so kind of on topic, uh, any suggestions for a guy or a girl or anyone who wants to distribute um, mushrooms but doesn't want to become the guy running around the field or around his, his – uh, neighborhood with a bag of mushrooms just kind of passing them out to people you know what sean there's 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 something that we can't really talk about here uh, no no I, uh i i saw it coming out in a different way the question i'm not asking about distributing it's something it's different like i've always wanted to be a healer and then i had a family and i got distracted and um i'm coming back to it and I should have been studying how to help people in a more uh, fundamental way so I could come from somewhere. But I'm a construction worker. I don't, you know, nobody's going to want to listen to me. Well, well, that's, you know, no, that's that's really not true. It's just the opposite is that uh, you can really relate to a lot of people. But I would suggest that you more or less apprentice yourself to someone who's already uh, kind of in business of healing. And one place to do it is you go to some of the festivals and uh, some of the Zendo projects and the, uh, the people in, that are helping people on trips are there. They have a lot of training sessions. And what I'd suggest is you start getting involved in, in uh, making a few connections that way. I know maps has some really good training sessions for people that help in their Zendo project. And yeah. so at, most festivals have something like that. Uh, that's where I would start and, and sort of become an apprentice because uh, the fact that, that you're in construction is a very positive thing because, uh, you know, people that uh, are, are, you know, my son works in construction and, and he's not really into listening to people like me that are kind of more into books and stuff. So uh, I think you could provide a very valuable service and, and I encourage you to keep following your, your, your uh, instincts there. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I appreciate it. Glenn, do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say um, the most important piece of healing and, and uh, caring for others is taking care of yourself, you know, making sure your, your own, your own mental health, your own vibrational frequency is, is sound before you go ahead and you extend that 
uh, sentiment, uh, that vibration to somebody else. So the most important thing that you can do in taking care of others is always taking care of yourself. Uh, sure. I'm also a hospice volunteer, and, and that's something that we talk about there too. Is you know, we, we can't be there for other people unless we're there for ourselves. So you know, start with you, extend outwards, and you know I think you have a voice that needs to be heard. So you know if you're interested, I definitely would love to have you. You know come out on on the twentieth. But listen, everybody, I, I appreciate you all being here tonight. And uh, Glenn, I definitely want to follow up on this uh, in the months and years ahead. I think that uh, uh, we can maybe help each other out a lot. Uh, I can help you. And what you're doing is exactly what we're trying to do here. So uh, uh, appreciate you taking the time to be here tonight and, and the time that you're taking for this uh, this little volunteer project that you thought you were going to just you know, <laughs> spin the one plate and not a whole bunch of spinners, huh? You know what? It's it's a it's a hard thing to put down because the people who care about these kinds of things deeply care about them and, and see the type of impact they have. So I I appreciate you having me on the show. I definitely would love to come back and you know whatever way that, that we can help each other is you know helping the community, helping uh, spark the conversation. You know, as you've been saying, that's that's all we're here to do. Well, we'll certainly do that. So uh, thank you again. And everybody, uh, until next week, keep the old faith and stay high. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Now, before I go, I would like to say just a little bit more about Dr. German, who I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation. And the essay that he gave me at the Hawaii conference in 1999 is titled, Drug Control National Policies. And I posted it on my Matrix Masters website. Now, in 1957, Dr. German set up the Department of Police Science at California State University in Long Beach. And by the time I met him, uh, he was already retired and had been honored as a professor emeritus. I posted a link to his essay in today's program notes, which you can find at psychedelicsalon.com, and I'd like to read just one sentence from this essay. Quote, If the ears of all the people in the nation who had ingested illicit substances in the past six months were to turn bright green for one whole week, the nation would be amazed, confused, astounded, and quickly taught something very important as they identified friends, relatives, neighbors, doctors, lawyers, accountants, priests, nuns, ministers, rabbis, soldiers, policemen, firemen, military personnel, businessmen, teachers, students, politicians, respected policymakers, administrators, supervisors, and workers from a variety of private and government institutions everywhere. End quote. <laughs> and this is from a man who led one of the foremost criminal justice schools in the country. He was a man who knew what he was talking about. And I'm sure that this hashtag thank you plant medicine project is exactly what he had in mind when he wrote his essay, even though there was nothing like today's social media back then. In fact, there was no World Wide Web even. So it seems that our technology is finally catching up with some of our better ideas. And in next Monday's Live Salon, we'll be talking about some specific ideas that you may have about how to support this project. And a little heads up about our Live Salon on February 3rd that's coming up. Like always, it will take place at 6.30 p.m. on that Monday evening. 
that Monday evening in Europe. <laughs> you see, there's going to be one major change in the announcement for that day's salon. The time zone is going to be Greenwich. That's London time. So our fellow saloners in Europe are going to be able to join us, along with Rob Harper, who happens to live in London, and we'll be talking about his new film that's titled Journeys to the Edge of Consciousness. The uh, three primary psychedelic travelers whose journeys are featured in this movie are Aldous Huxley, Timothy Leary, and Alan Watts. And while I haven't seen the entire film yet, the trailer blew me away, and I'm sure that you're going to like it as well. And if all goes well, I'll also be podcasting a recording from that evening's conversation. But for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Namaste, my friends. <laughs>